0: We're the Denver Broncos cheerleaders, and you're listening
1: to Sports Crunch with D-Crom. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever or whenever you catch kittens are. This is Sports Crunch with D-Crom. I'm your host, David Cromlow, And as we speak... All 32 NFL teams are finishing up their grades on every draft prospect and preparing to start finalizing their 2022 draft boards with the draft just over three weeks away. And in that spirit, we make our second of eight stops tonight on our annual Dash of the Draft Divisional Tour in the AFC North. And with the arrival of Deshaun Watson, this division boasts three of the 10 best quarterbacks in pro football, and all are 26 years old or younger. And the depth of this draft can only make this blue-collar division even more dangerous? What would constitute a successful draft for the Browns, Ravens, Steelers, or Bengals? To answer that question and a lot more is our good friend, Billy Rossetti of the USA Today Bengals Wire. Welcome back to the program, Billy. How you doing, my man?
0: Good, man. Always good to talk to you, David. Always good to catch up with you. Thanks for having me.
1: Always good to catch up with you as well, my friend. And let's start out with the Cleveland Browns, who just made a bold yet controversial decision to trade for Deshaun Watson. But all of the uh, controversial stuff aside, with uh, Deshaun Watson now in the fold for Cleveland, the Browns arguably have the most complete roster in the entire NFL. Outside of another edge, opposite Miles Garrett and more wide receiver options, aside from Amari Cooper, I don't see any other glaring holes on this Cleveland team. Do you?
0: Yeah. I mean, we, we knew this was a strong roster even going into last year when they had Baker Mayfield, we all felt coming off, you know, the 11 and five season and winning a playoff game in Pittsburgh coming into this or coming into 2021. uh, I think if I remember, I think I had them winning the division. So I was kind of, sipping that Kool-Aid a little bit but you know Baker of course that shoulder really banged them up and that really kind of set them back a little bit so you know the Browns obviously felt that they were a quarterback away and that's why they went out and they made this big move to to get to Sean Watson and so now you look at this team you look at you know one of the best offensive lines in the NFL You, you have one of the best running back duos in the nfl with nick chubb and and kareem hunt like you said you know you could probably use a little more depth of wide receiver but you got amari cooper in the mix now too so that certainly is gonna i mean that's gonna be a fun combo to watch watson to amari cooper i mean this offense just is gonna be so fun to watch now that you have uh deshaun watson in there and again you know all the other stuff aside just strictly football it's gonna be You know, really fun to watch. And then defensive side, like you said, they could use some edge help opposite Miles Garrett because Jadevian Clowney is still a free agent. Um, Defensive tackle, they could probably use some as well because they're probably going to miss a couple guys as well. But, you know, we saw the emergence of Jeremiah Wusu-Koromora in uh, the middle of that defense last year. They still have one of the best secondaries uh, in the NFL. Um, Denzel Ward, obviously a a stud corner. Greg Newsom had a really nice rookie season as things went on right as the season went on so I mean that that roster's there I think now that they have the quarterback position figured out I think now this team feels like they can finally compete you know consistently with the other teams in in this division and obviously you know maybe and we'll obviously going to talk about the Bengals soon but you know the run they went on having Joe Burrow you kind of think you know maybe deep down the Browns knew they had to do something to the quarterback to kind of keep pace with them. Uh, yeah. They, they did sweep the Bengals uh, last season, but we know uh, the one was week 18 when the Bengals basically just didn't care. They had injuries and, you know, Joe Mixon had COVID, but um, you know, the bottom line is they still swept them, but they still ne- probably felt they needed to keep up with them. Now they're, now they have their, their guy and now they feel they're set. And this is, this is going to be really interesting to see, you know, can everything blend together? Can Deshaun Watson and Kevin Stefanski coexist? Can, uh, you know, all these new faces come together how, or how quickly can all these new faces come together? It's going to be really fascinating to see what, uh, what goes down here in Cleveland.
1: It most certainly is. And, uh, I can only pray that, uh, Deshaun Watson has uh, learned, uh, from all this and, uh, comes to acknowledge the uh, mistakes uh, he has made but that's uh, for another show and now from the new Browns to the old Browns as they say with the Baltimore Ravens and almost like the Browns the Ravens don't have that many glaring holes on their roster either but there is such quite a need at the all-important edge position where Baltimore has not had a player reach double digit sacks in a season since Terrell Suggs did so in 2017. If no edge rusher or pass rushing defensive tackle left on the board meets the value of the 14th overall pick in the eyes of the Ravens, could you see Baltimore as a strong candidate to trade down?
0: They they certainly could. You know, the Ravens obviously have a history of, you know, moving around the board. Um, Obviously, Lamar Jackson, they moved up to get. So if there's one thing we've learned, obviously, and, you know, you and I both know this very well there's one thing we've learned about the draft it's you never say never anything's on the table you know especially with a a gm like uh, eric da costa he's just you know willing to do whatever it takes The, the ravens have always been a really good franchise in terms of finding value it just always feels like they just get good value on a lot of these players right it just feels like they always sit back and get good players at like really good contracts and obviously you brought up you know the need for edge and of course as we know they thought they were going to get zedari smith back things kind of faltered a little bit he went uh ended up stepping back and ends up signing with the minnesota vikings so yeah there's definitely some need now uh for pass rush because they didn't <laughs> they were missing matthew judon badly last year I and mean, you can tell but yeah you know this team they're going to get healthy and I, I agree. There's really not, this is another team that you look at the roster and you think, wow, like, you know, if players stay healthy, if they can avoid the bad injury luck they had last year, because remember this was a team that was eight and three through 11 games last season, sitting as the number one seed. And then all of a sudden the bottom fell out because Lamar Jackson was hurt. And, you know, Marcus Pierre, everybody, you know, between the injuries they had toward the end of the season. And then, The injuries that started their season finally caught up to them their their lack of depth finally showed now that everyone's back healthy I think they're ready to gear up and you know they're going to have a favorable schedule because they did finish last in the AFC North so now they're going to have you know all the last place teams they're a good candidate to be because we always talk about who's going to be that last place the first place team the Ravens I think are going to be a an excellent candidate for that obviously you have the questions now with Lamar Jackson's future but I think they're they're okay with uh still being patient it doesn't seem like they're either side is really in a rush to get anything done I think they're just wanting to put the best product out on the field and then I think they've done that so far you know they also filled one of their big, one of their other top needs uh with offensive tackle with bringing in Morgan Moses on a, a really favorable deal as well so really excited to watch the ravens bounce back this year
1: oh absolutely they should definitely have a regression to the mean in terms of injury luck and uh, the how they just kept battling through all those injuries even after lamar Jackson got hurt tyler hungley out of all people just put aaron Rodgers and the packers to the ultimate limit and almost upset them in that game for crying out loud and that is only a sign of things to come when this Ravens team gets fully healthy this season. I completely, completely, completely agree. And if uh, you want to cast some bets in before the season on the best can go from worst to first, I think the Ravens are a pretty, pretty good bet. And uh, moving along to the Pittsburgh Steelers, where the search is on for a long-term successor to Ben Roethlisberger. And you could tell based on their presence at all these pro days, the Steelers are absolutely leaving no rock, no stone, or no pebble unturned when it comes to this quarterback class. And you know as well as I do, you were at the Senior Bowl, as was I. We saw each other down there. It was great to see you down there, by the way. The worst-kept secret in the entire National Football League since the Senior Bowl is the Steelers' love for Malik Willis. If the Steelers are as madly in love with Malik Willis as they seem to be, should they be willing to trade up to as high as five overall to get him?
0: Yeah, you know, and it's funny because, I mean, I don't know if you were there. I, I happen to be... Back there, like outside the stadium, I saw uh, Mike Tomlin there, and you know I, I think Kevin Colbert was there, but you know definitely Tomlin. I think they were even talking to his parents a little bit, kind of outside the stadium as well. So yeah, there was a, uh, a lot, there was a lot of love for Malik Willis. Tomlin's floating around there on the practice field, getting his eye there. Um, I think what this off season has showed is teams are not afraid to go after guys that they want. I mean, you've seen, you know, we just talked about Deshaun Watson and all that the the Browns gave up to get him. The Broncos obviously made the big move for Russell Wilson. So, I mean, teams seem to not be, you know, Matt Ryan, another, another one teams seem to not be as afraid to go and get their guy. I mean, you're now seeing, um, you know, the Falcons just took a $40 million dead money hit, to get rid of Matt Ryan and just say, okay, let's finally cut ties here. Let's just reset, you know, what not same with like when the Eagles traded Carson Wentz. So, yeah, I don't think the Steelers really should have too much of a problem if they really want to go that high. Now, it's interesting, you know, now we're starting to hear, okay, maybe the Lions could look at Malik Willis at number two. Uh, I'm still kind of that, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. But, I mean, I guess, again, <laughs> anything's possible. Now, do I think they're going to go from 20 to 2? Probably not. That's a high, high price to pay. 20 to 5, I mean, you know, obviously it's going to cost you next year's first-round pick. But if you really feel like he's the guy, you know, again, you know, like, like look at a team like Chicago was totally fine giving up that first-round pick to get Justin Fields because they felt he's the guy you know if, if if the picks work out, then or excuse me, if the trade works out and he becomes your guy, then you're fine with getting rid of those picks. I mean, the l a Rams have basically no picks for crying out loud. And they just won the Super Bowl. So I think, and I think I think that's another example, too. I think the Rams kind of showed that, you know, draft picks are really a lottery pick. and if they if you can turn them into that star-studded quarterback that you feel can get you over the top, then by all means go for it. So, yeah, I would not be surprised if the Steelers make a move, especially with, you know, and you know, I think I think five certainly seems like an interesting spot because obviously you have Carolina there at six, who's obviously going to be looking at a quarterback. Though I think they should really consider trading back. Um, Atlanta obviously there at number eight, and you know, a couple other teams, but certainly those two right there in the top ten. So yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, it, it might, it would certainly send shock, shock waves throughout the, the general public, but I think that's the new wave of the NFL. It seems I think this off season really kind of set the tone to where we might be going in terms of player transactions, draft, draft trades, things like that. So really going to be uh, really going to be intrigued what they do here.
1: Yes. And I think there's another factor you have to take into consideration here. This will be Kevin Colbert's final draft as Steelers general manager and he is not going to want to leave his position without getting the Steelers the quarterback of the future who they think is going to be the quarterback of the future and if they have Mm -hmm. such a deep conviction with little to no qualms about Malik Willis I think they should make that move up the board pay pay whatever price you get if you feel that way about a quarterback just go get him and pay whatever price you can
0: That's that's a great point you know it's it's like what we just saw with Bruce Arians stepping down and feeling like you know, the Bucks were in a good position to just hand over to Todd Bowles, Kevin Colbert in that same position. He spent, you know, what, 20 years as GM of the Steelers. He's not going to step away and, and leave them in shambles. So that, that's, that's a really good point.
1: Yeah. So if you're looking for a team in need of a quarterback, looking to make a big move up the board, look no further than the Pittsburgh Steelers, and now on to the team you cover, the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals, and the Bengals came oh so close to winning their first Super Bowl in franchise history, but unfortunately, their porous offensive line play, especially in the passing game, proved too much for them to overcome at the end, and that's why the Bengals have spent the vast majority of their resources so far this spring on improving Joe Burrow's protection with Alex Kappa and Ted Karras on the interior and Lyle Collins at right tackle. Do you think the Bengals have upgraded the offensive line enough to where they can stomach the possible scenario of not drafting another offensive lineman in the first two, if not the first three rounds?
0: Oh, absolutely. They're absolutely, especially the first round. You know, obviously a lot of mock drafts right before free agency, you know, it was maybe Tyler Linderbaum or Zion Johnson or insert into your offensive lineman here. Ted Karras is probably going to be, Take Harris is going to be your center. Alex Kappa is going to be your right guard, and Lyle Collins obviously is going to be your right tackle. Jonah Williams is still set there at left tackle, and the Bengals are still pretty high on guys like uh, J- a guy like Jackson Carmen, who I think you're probably going to see uh, as the as the starting left guard. So you know now, if say Tyler Linderbaum is still there in round one then I wouldn't be surprised to, cause they still need depth. You know, the, they're set at the starters, but they still need depth behind th- those guys. So, you know, cause if like one of those guys go down now, all of a sudden you're back to Hakeem Adanji, possibly one of those spots or Isaiah Prince. And obviously we saw what happened when those guys stepped in, especially, especially guy, a guy like Isaiah Prince uh, in the Super Bowl. it was not pretty. So uh, you definitely need some depth guys there, but I, don't think they've now they don't have to pigeonhole themselves into that position uh with the 31st pick. They can take a guy like Kyer Elam or Roger McCreary or one of these corners. In fact, really, I would say that's probably the their top positional need right now is cornerbacking. You need somebody to go in there and compete with Chidobe Awuzie and especially compete with Eli Apple. You know, you still got Mike Hilton on the inside, but you need somebody solid in one of those outside spots obviously we all saw what happened with eli apple uh in the super bowl and you know at some point safety probably has to be an issue as well because you've got jesse bates on the franchise tag and his future is very clouded as well who knows if they're going to be able to lock him up long term that's going to be really fascinating to see so i think really now that's and again they're not they don't have to be forced into taking a uh, a secondary pick with that first, but there's still some good safeties uh, and even corners later on in the draft, especially ironically from Cincinnati, Kobe Bryant at corner and uh, Brian Cook, the safety. So interesting enough, they can just go right to, right to their own backyard to to pluck some guys, but no, I I think they're good on offensive line. They don't have to force a pick at 31, but they absolutely do need some depth. Dylan Parham, I think would be another intriguing guy there uh, as well. If he's there in say round two. And
1: speaking of that, it's time to play our favorite game on our Dash of the Draft Divisional Tour. We're going to let you play GM for all four AFC North teams by doing three round mock drafts. And let's get it up for you right here, Billy. And we are rolling right now. We start with the Cleveland Browns. And we are on the clock at 44 overall right now. The Browns, uh, let's see who is there. Um, Christian Watson is still on the board. He would be a very intriguing value here if he falls this far. I don't think he will fall this far, but uh, if he falls this far, he'll definitely be under consideration. And the best edge on this board right now is – Oh, you got Travis Jones from UConn. He would be great value. The Browns uh, don't really have an interior penetrator uh, like they did the past. Uh, Malik uh, McDowell, uh, is is he still under contract?
0: No, I think he's still a free agent.
1: Yeah, and uh, Travis Jones would be a great long-term solution. Uh, You need that guy in the middle who could get to the quarterback and draw attention away from Miles Garrett that way. He would be a great candidate to do so. Or Logan Hall, if you want – versatile guy who could play edge or inside um and um let's see who you also got uh you got tyler smith jack Conklin only has one more year left on his deal and if you want to part ways with jack Conklin at the end of this year and groom tyler smith to replace him, he could be a pick here so lots of great options here but what is your pick andrew barry
0: definitely, definitely uh definitely a lot of good options and i'm going to try to uh, not make this as much of a PR nightmare, as, as the Browns did a couple of weeks ago, but definitely a lot of options. I mean, I, I think you and I both really loved watching Christian Watson uh, at, at the Senior Bowl. I mean, he he was just moving around, and you know, there there's a there's definitely some first round buzz on him as well. But Travis Jones, I mean, you, you talk about a guy. UConn obviously isn't the school that is uh is well known for their football right now um unfortunately we know their basketball school had a uh, a disappointing finish <laughs> but man travis jones i think would fit so nice in in that in that defense because like we talked about there's just really nothing there i mean right now they really only have like jordan elliott tommy Togai, and Taven bryan and that's not really a group that's gonna instill any fear in any uh, opposing offensive lines. Travis Jones instantly makes that line uh, much more, much more powerful. Like you said, would take some of the pressure off of Miles Garrett. So I think I'd be, I'd be fine with taking uh, Travis Jones here and really solidifying uh, that defensive line here. Because you got to get guys, especially in this division, got to get guys to get after these quarterbacks. Can't let Lamar Jackson, can't let Lamar Jackson run around on you can't let joe burrow get uh get hot so yeah we're gonna go with travis jones we're gonna beef up that d line and we're gonna we're gonna try to rack up some sacks here and really stop these offenses
1: absolutely and plus uh, you got to consider the fact that deshaun watson uh after the texans traded away uh deandre hopkins uh he really lifted up that offense on his shoulders man even though yeah. the texans only won four games that year he got away with a Rather underwhelming receiving group, and he still had a career year. Yeah. So you can uh, afford to pass on a wide receiver here and get a player to help your defense, like Travis Jones, if you're the Browns.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I mean, the guy could have been uh, the guy could have been MVP if they had won like four more games that year. I think that's really the, one of the main reasons he didn't win MVP that year was because they only won four games. So, yeah, i really like this pick here. Really, really a big fan of Travis Jones. Really cool guy.
1: Yes, and uh, now we are at pick 78 overall, the final pick of this three-round mock for the Browns because the Browns obviously don't have a first-rounder because of the Deshaun Watson trade. And for edges still on the board, he got Nick Benito from Oklahoma, a pretty good uh, speed rusher. You also have uh, Sam Williams from Ole Miss. If it wasn't for a major character red flag, Sam Williams would be a first-round pick. And if the Browns uh, are... Comfortable with him like they were with Deshaun Watson to take a risk on Sam Williams. They might, although this particular red flag, which I believe was a domestic assault, so to speak, uh, I think that would be a little too much of a black eye for them personally, but never say never to the possibility of them uh, pulling the trigger on a Sam Williams here. Uh, and uh, other edges still on the board Tyreek Smith from Ohio State, My J Sanders from Cincinnati. D'Angelo Malone from Western Kentucky, a freakish athlete who uh, may look small, but plays big. And uh, but if you want to take a look at some of the better options on the board, uh, Isaiah Spiller from Texas A&M. Yeah, they already have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, but uh, you could uh, get rid of one of those guys if they show any signs of age and have Isaiah Spiller ready to go. Um, Leo Chennault, a freakish athletic linebacker from Wisconsin. to have two monster athletes in the middle of that defense would be quite appealing or Channing Tindall from Georgia. That would be awesome. Troy Anderson from Montana state. He's another guy who could uh, rise into the second day of the draft. Uh, and, uh, so what would you do here? Andrew Barry?
0: There's a lot of, uh, interesting options here. Um, definitely a fan of Troy Anderson. Uh, definitely a fan of my Sanders. Um, he's definitely repaired his value a little bit we know that he weighed in at only like 225 something like that at the combine but it turned out he had some sort of illness that caused him to lose all that weight because he ended up losing like 20 pounds from the senior bowl to the combine but he's built up i think he got back up to about 245 at his pro day so i think he would be he would be interesting um Troy Anderson, Leo Chennault, two, two incredible guys. Um, I two, Definitely two guys, especially Chenal. He's uh, he's one of those guys that can just really move around. And, you know, I'm almost kind of talking myself into the uh, picturing him and Awusu Koromora in that defense. You're talking two guys that can really move around the field. You can be really flexible there um can really help out in coverage so you know what I think we're gonna I think I've kind of talked to myself into that pick here I think we're gonna go with Leo Chanel here I, I think I've uh convinced myself <laughs> enough over all these guys
1: well before we uh pick Leo Chanel I just am going to take a look at the wide receivers left on this board Jalen Tolbert is still on the board Kyle Phillips from UCLA Juan Robinson Kentucky Khalil Shakir Boise State Alec Pierce from Cincinnati, Vilas Jones Jr. from Tennessee, any wide receiver you would take over Chennault there?
0: I mean, I'm definitely, I I will say this about Kyle Phillips. He shined a lot at the Shrine Bowl. He was all over the field. He was arguably one of the best, if not the best receiver out there in Vegas. He he was really fun to watch. Um, Obviously a little bit of a size issue. So he might be there, uh, on day three I, I think we can maybe wait on him a little bit uh, I, I know there's some some people are kind of iffy on a guy like uh, Wandale Robinson uh, but Alec Alec Pierce is another really intriguing option I th- you know he looked really good at the combine um, but I wonder if some of these guys are still going to be there on day three so I think we're gonna take a bit of a gamble stick with Chenal. And, you know, if we were going through uh, the rest of the draft, kind of waiting to see if a guy like Kyle Phillips would be there in round four. But I I think that would be, uh, I think that'd be a nice combo between Amari Cooper and, and Kyle Phillips.
1: I stand corrected. The Browns do have a second, third round pick at 99. Overall, it's a compensatory selection. And maybe we could take one of those wide receivers or an edge right here for the Browns. And here we are. Oh, there went Kyle Phillips right before the wide receivers still left on the board. Wandale Robinson, Khalil Shakir, Alec Pierce, Vilas Jones Jr. The edges still left on the board. My J Sanders, D'Angelo Malone, Dominique Robinson from Miami he's another intriguing name Alex Wright from UAB another intriguing edge um you got options
0: here and I think here I'm probably gonna grab my Jay Sanders I think we gotta make sure we get a solid edge here I think Sanders is a guy you can develop and um you know he looked pretty good at the shrine or at the senior bowl as well and having the opportunity to have him opposite Miles Garrett would obviously take a lot of pressure off of him and of course we took Travis Jones earlier. So now we're, you know, really getting really infusing some good youth again in that defensive line. So we wouldn't have to, you know, put too much pressure on Sanders. Uh, he can kind of be a rotational guy to start, but uh, I, I'm liking the, I'm liking the D line here now of Garrett Jones and Sanders and then Leo Chennault, uh adding to that front seven.
1: That would be a fantastic call for the Cleveland Browns. And now on to the Baltimore Ravens. And we're on the clock at 14 overall. Uh, They need an edge. The best edge on the board is George Karloftis from Purdue. Karloftis, in my opinion, would make an ideal, a complimentary bookend to Odafe Owe, who had a very promising rookie season. Odafe Owe, he's that freakish athletic guy. Karloftis isn't as athletic, but he's got he plays like a Raven. He has a nonstop motor. He always finds his way to the quarterback. And that's what you want in a pass rusher. Even though he might not get you double-digit sacks a year, he will constantly get pressure on the quarterback. You want that with George Karlaftis. But um, Tyler Linderbaum could be an option here. The Ravens are known for taking um, Iowa interior offensive linemen early in the first round. Marshall Yanda, they did it one year, and they could do it again with Tyler Linderbaum right here but you also got jordan davis from georgia or Devontae wyatt from georgia either of them could be a fantastic option for this uh, defensive front that needs a lot more reinforcements than what they have
0: yeah definitely a lot definitely a lot of options here um you know one of those two uh, georgia defensive tackles i think would look really nice in the the middle of that in the middle of that baltimore defense because this is a team that's you know really likes to pride itself on that, on that interior guy. I mean, you still have, still have Michael Pierce there, but obviously he's kind of getting up there in age. I think one of those, I think it definitely could be, you know, I was initially thinking of Karloftis. this, um, you know, cause he's intriguing too, you know, cause I remember it's, it's it's interesting. I remember he talked about his water polo uh, training, which was like incredibly intense he uh, talked about that at the combine and um you know just some of the the crazy training i think he said something like he had to hold a chair above his head while in the water something like that yeah so i mean this guy you talk about a guy that can really build power from the lower part of his body Karloftis is that guy because he's really worked on a lot of that strength because of his uh his water polo experience but you know, man, Jordan Day, I, I think about it now, Jordan Davis in the middle of that Baltimore defense can really open things up for, you know, especially a guy like Patrick Queen, who really started to come into his own last season and kind of open things up. And as we saw, we you know with the Browns, we can get some edge guys uh, later on in day two, but you get a guy like Jordan Davis who obviously can attack the quarterback himself. That will really open things up, I think, in that front seven. So I, th- I think we're going to go with Jordan Davis here.
1: Yeah, he's a very Ravens-esque pick, too, because Haloti uh, Nada, they drafted him uh, in the first exactly. round, and Jordan yep. Davis is a very, be their very next player. Yep, the Ravens love those big Buddhas in the middle, and uh, Jordan Davis will add to that tradition there should the Ravens decide to take him, like we took him for the Ravens here in our mock and we are approaching 45 overall, and let's see what the board shall bring. Uh, 39, 40, 41, 42, 43, 44. Bingo. We're right here. The Ravens are back on the clock. We have uh, Jalen Petre out of Baylor here he's a versatile defensive back. Ravens love those versatile defensive backs big time and you he can never have enough dice. defensive backs. If you want uh, to roll the dice on upside, Tariq Woolen from Texas San Antonio is on the board here. And let's see who you also have Roger McCreary from Auburn still on the board. Um we're not going to give them uh, Travis Jones because we already gave Travis Jones to the Browns. Logan Hall um, you, if you want a guy who could play both the edge and inside, Logan Hall could be fantastic. We just gave him George Davis, and Logan Hall could play like a five-tech and an edge for them. Uh, Dylan Parham, uh, they could use more help on that interior because I i don't think uh, some of their guys inside are as proven as their two tackles are, so to speak. And or, or Josh Pascal from Kentucky. This might seem a little early for him, but I've heard good things about Josh Pascal. Uh, but uh, we got a lot of good defensive backs uh, on the board here for the Ravens, and the Ravens could use another corner or a safety that can play corner.
0: And that's why I'm kind of leaning toward Tariq Woolen here. You know, they can use a little bit of depth behind uh, Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey, and we know Woolen has speed to burn. And, you know, if I remember right, he had one of the fastest, uh, if not the fastest, I remember it was really – because I think it was close to a record if I remember right uh, with his 40 yard dash, it was somewhere around four, three. So he has speed, he has speed to burn. And he's another guy that, you know, was down there in mobile really showed off. Well, Uh, he's one of those guys that I think can hang with, uh, with some of these receivers in the AFC North, especially a guy like, you know, Deontay Johnson, who obviously can go all over the field. I think woolen can, uh, can have the speed to keep up with him you know line him up with a guy you know if you have to line him up against say tyler boyd or or t higgins when you're uh when you're facing the Bengals, so i i think he would be he'd be really fascinating i think to watch uh in baltimore so i think we're gonna go with him but man uh jalen petrie is, is so nice too but obviously you know they have their big safety now in marcus, marcus williams. williams not that you know they they could obviously use another guy that, you know, it wouldn't hurt to have another guy there. But yeah, Marcus Williams is their big man there. Uh, but Tariq Woolen would be a nice number three corner uh, in Baltimore, especially, like you said, for a team that could use some corners.
1: Absolutely. Especially last year when you lost both Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey to season ending injuries. Exactly. You need that third corner. Tariq Woolen can give you that, if not right away. So Tariq Woolen is our pick in the second round at 45 overall for the Baltimore ravens and we are coming on the clock again very soon here with their first of two third round picks the ravens being the king of comp picks uh, have a comp pick once again in the third round at 100 and we are going to be on the clock here in just a little bit and we are right now and the ravens uh Let's take a look at Ulia. Well, we got a slew of running backs uh, on the board. Kenneth Walker III is still here, and the Ravens are known for taking best player available. This wouldn't surprise me if they take uh, Kenneth Walker III because uh, he ain't got J.K. Dobbins, but he's uh, coming off a, a, an ACL tear, and uh, and it wouldn't hurt Lamar to have a one-two punch at running back supporting him, and especially given the physical brand of football the Ravens like. And Brees Hall is still here. Oh, my God, if uh, they want that speed back with vision uh, to uh, complement J.K. Dobbins, who is kind of like uh, not quite of a speed back, uh, that would be another great pick right here, too. Potentially great value pick, staring the ravens in the eyes right here. Oh, my goodness. And uh, Nick Benito from Oklahoma, if you want your edge here. Uh, Sam Williams from Ole Miss, if you want an edge here, but granted, he has those character red flags, as we mentioned. Oh, God, some intriguing choices here. Eric DaCosta, what would you do here? And b- because of this exercise, you can't trade now.
0: Brees Hall would feel like a Ravens pick here. It, it, it would just feel like that, whole, just another, oh, the Ravens just let good players just fall right to them. And, you know, to get a guy like Brees Hall here, at pick seventy six, you know that him and J.K. Dobbins, that would be like like you said, a really nice one-two punch. I mean, the Ravens obviously are a team that love to stash running backs and just kind of you know, hell, they were they were even getting <laughs> something out of Le'Veon Bell when we thought he didn't really have much left. But Brees Hall in that in in that kind of offense. Man, that's that's titillating. <laughs> that's exciting. Um yeah, I think we're gonna we're gonna go with that. You know, we we can uh you know, there's still some good edges on the board that we can get with that later third round pick, but yeah, this this just you know th- this is just good value here. Pick 76, Brees Hall, who you know is probably gonna end up my number one running back. And We know the Ravens just love to pound the football. Yeah, Baltimore just feels like one of uh, uh, the incredible landing spots for a guy like Brees Hall.
1: If Brees Hall falls this far to the Ravens, I know running backs are a dime a dozen, and I'm not the biggest fan of drafting running backs early unless they're super special, but Brees Hall has an argument for being special. He yeah. has a Matt Forte type skill set. And when you're already comparing him to a guy like Matt Forte, that just speaks volume as to how good he's going to be in the NFL. And if you let him fall all the way to the Baltimore Ravens at 76 overall, the NFL made a mistake. They just did. I'm sorry.
0: Eric DeCoste will be sending uh, 31 <laughs> Christmas cards if that happens.
1: Uh, yes. Yeah, so and he'd probably be doing a happy dance as well. Oh, with, yeah. Uh, John oh, Harbaugh. I- all right. With the 100th overall pick, the compensatory pick, the Ravens having the third round. Uh, the edge is still on the board. Tyreek Smith from Ohio State. Uh, we can't draft MyJ Sanders because we already gave him to the Browns. But D'Angelo Malone from Western Kentucky, he is a pretty intriguing guy. The Ravens love to gamble on upside and D'Angelo Hall posted some pretty freakish numbers at the West Kentucky Pro Day. D'Angelo Malone. My bad. Yeah. I said D'Angelo
0: yeah. Hall. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? Let, let, let's let's take that gamble. you know, the Ravens, you know, they're, we're just trying to get them bodies, right. We're just trying to kind of pluck players where we need. Cause again, this is a team that really doesn't have a lot of big needs. I think we've kind of plucked really two of their biggest needs so far with those first two picks, you know, we've solidified the interior defensive tackle. We've got our third corner now we can just go out and get good players, get, you know, and, and kind of throw some darts. You know, we're at pick 100. Why not take, you know, it's the end, of, effectively a fourth round pick, you know, here at pick 100? So, yeah, why not take a shot? You know, like you said, he showed some really good athleticism at, at his pro day. And, you know, Baltimore is always that team. Obviously, you know, Things are going to be a little bit different now that uh, Wink Martindale is there, but I mean, Mike McDonald obviously had a, an incredible run last year with Michigan's defense. You know, and he ha- he obviously had some some really good guys. But McDonald's one of the reasons why Aiden Hutchinson could be the number one pick. Why David Ojabo was going to be a top pick before that unfortunate injury. Who's to say he can't do that now with the Ravens here?
1: Definitely. And now on to the Steelers. And we are at 20 overall. Malik Willis is no longer on the board, but Kenny Pickett is still on the board. If they want to get a quarterback they're familiar with, Kenny Pickett could very well be the guy. But if you want uh, help on your offensive line, Tyler Linderbaum is still available. And uh, also uh, Jordan Davis, although we game to the Ravens, uh, so he's unavailable by rules. But Devontae Wyatt's still there. Uh, in terms of corners, let's see uh daxton hill uh, he could play corner and safety he would be a good pick here Boye a mafe teaming him up with tj watt could be very intriguing for kevin colbert he would definitely consider and but desmond ritter now a lot of people would say no this is reaching on him well maybe not necessarily because desmond ritter he's probably gonna be gone very very early in the second round and um Mark Schofield, I posted uh, the segment of the interview I did with him on the quarterback class, saying why he thinks Desmond Ritter deserves serious consideration uh, by the Steelers at this pick. Should they be unable to trade up for a Malik Willis or somebody like that, uh, because uh, he's just super, super smart and his athleticism is has just not been tapped into yet. He's like uh, that uh, Alex Smith type of player. That when if you could get the utmost out of him, he could be a very, very good quarterback for you. And just leave him on the pine for a year behind Trubisky and Rudolph, and let him take over next year. Desmond Ritter, I think, should be equally considered with the Kenny Pickett or Matt Corral here if the Steelers want to take a quarterback here.
0: That's exactly what I was thinking before. You basically took the words right out of my mouth, David. So it's like we're thinking alike here. Pittsburgh would be a perfect, you know, would be a good landing spot because you know you don't have to rush him out there. You 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 just paid uh, Mitchell Trubisky. You know, you're obviously not paying him a lot. But the expectation is he's probably going to be the starter. You know, I, I know Dwayne Haskins is still there, but I think the ship is kind of starting to sail a little bit on uh, Dwayne Haskins here. I think they're ready to kind of start fresh. So I think the Steelers are fine with, you know, if they sit here at 20 and Ritter's there, I think they'd be perfectly fine with grabbing him, especially if Malik Willis is off the board, which he is in this scenario. I think they'd be perfectly fine grabbing Ritter, letting him sit a year let Trubisky kind of you know kind of take the reins this season see what you can do and then uh hand the keys over to Ritter in uh in in 2023 because you know it's not like you have a huge commitment to really any of the other quarterbacks uh beyond this year so yeah Desmond Ritter I think would be a fine a fine spot here so that's sending the card that's gonna be the guy
1: Yeah, so Desmond Ritter is the quarterback of the future for the Steelers, at least according to our mock draft. And the Steelers have two more picks this mock at 52 overall and at 84 overall. Now you got your quarterback of the future in Desmond Ritter. You can now afford to potentially uh, look for some help for him on the offensive line. And let's see who we still have on the board here. Oh, Kenyon Green is still on the board. And Tyler Linderbaum is still on the board. This is not gonna happen in real. Tyler Linderbaum should not be allowed to fall this far. Neither should Kenyon Green for that matter. But if you're Kevin Colbert and you can have your pick between one of these two guys in the second round, that's like the perfect retirement present aside from getting your quarterback in the future.
0: Yeah, and the Steelers have already done a nice job of kind of revamping their offensive line as well. You know, the Bengals have gotten a lot of love for building their offensive line which is uh you know totally deserved but the Steelers got one of the best values I think so far of this free agency with James Daniels definitely yeah so you know there's your, there's your right guard uh you bring in Mason Cole at center you know and you have you know you resign uh Chuck Wilmer Corafor who uh really came into his own at right tackle but yeah if those two guys are on the board Man, this could uh this could make up for them uh letting Creed Humphrey get past them uh in round two last year, which I'm sure they're still kind of regretting. But you know, uh you know, Kevin Dawson is the guy we're gonna be replacing here, most likely, uh, with one of these guys. But uh, Kenyon Green is who I meant to say is certainly, you know, that kind of versatile guy. He can uh, he's probably more of a guard. Linderbaum feels like he's gonna be uh right right in its center. But I mean, man. Linderbaum could eventually take over for Mason Cole. I mean, because obviously Mason Cole's kind of getting up there in age. Man, that would just be too much of a value pick. Because, I mean, I'd be I'd be comfortable taking Linderbaum. Because I, I was considering taking – when we were doing the Ravens, I was I was considering taking Linderbaum there at 14. So I'm perfectly comfortable taking Linderbaum with a top 15 pick. I'm absolutely going to take him with uh, pick number 52 here and then figure out later what we're going to do with him and uh and mason cole that would be a good problem to have i think uh but yeah here here at 52 yeah that's uh and and like you said there's no i don't think this is going to happen in uh in in real life i mean if he's there at 31 i think the bengals very possibly could take him no you know so 52 that would be an, an incredible steal
1: Yep, Tyler Linderbaum is the pick for the Steelers at 52.
0: It'd be like Richmond, what they did to Dayton in the NCAA tournament, stealing that bet. Damn,
1: absolutely right. So um, this would be as close to a dream scenario as possible for Kevin Colbert in his final draft to Steelers GM, although, as we discussed earlier, uh, plan A is to probably trade up for Malik Willis at this time and we are back on the clock again at 84 and we have a future center and you say we can still replace one of the guards on the line dylan parham is still on the board and if you want some interior defensive line help um let's see who's uh, still there for interior defense line oh The options for that position group are rather underwhelming right now, so to speak. Matthew Butler, I believe, is the highest-ranked interior defensive lineman left on the board. Yes, he is. In terms of corners, Steelers could use a corner here. Um, See, Marcus Jones out of Houston, although word has it that uh, he has a a shoulder issue that uh, some teams are very alarmed about. Uh, that's uh, inside information courtesy courtesy of my good friend Nick Kendall from com. Cam Taylor Britt from Nebraska Michael Wright from Oregon Martin Emerson from Mississippi State you got options here
0: There's been a lot of love lately and I've been uh, kind of starting to jump on that train myself as well on Cam Taylor Britt He uh, he had himself a nice he's had himself a nice pre-draft process and you know this is this is certainly another position of that we can use some help on here uh for this you know for the Steelers you know they did bring it they did uh were able to keep Aquila Witherspoon who quietly had a nice season for the Steelers and then you know Cam Sutton is uh is still there Levi Wallace was a a pretty nice free agent pickup as well but you can never have too many corners especially uh, on a team like this or a division like this and I, th- I think you know between Mike Tomlin and Brian Flores I think they would really like a guy like uh like Cam Taylor Britt here I think you can bring him in and let him compete possibly with Sutton or, or Levi Wallace you know give you a little bit of a flexibility there so even with a guy like Witherspoon can kind of move around so I think Cam Taylor Britt would be uh would be a nice fit here
1: and that concludes our three-round mock for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And speaking of Akella Witherspoon, his grandfather Jimmy was one of the best blues singers in American history, and that is not a lie. He's a uh, so he has a very intriguing bloodline, Akella uh, Witherspoon. So there's nice. just your fun fact of the day. And now on to the defending AFC champion Bengals and their three-round mock. Duke Tobin, let's see what you have available here. Devante wyatt is still here he would be there. he would be a steal here are you kidding me because the Bengals, uh, they did lose leary ogre their um pass rush penetrator at the fence so yes you, you kept bj hill but bj hill is more of a uh run stuffer Devontae wyatt would at bj hill perfectly for at least the next three years man that would be so cool to have now it's line Louis sine from georgia if uh, you're not confident you're going to sign jesse bates long term He's an option here. Perrion Winfrey, another option uh, from uh, Oklahoma. Just uh, Jaquan Brisker out of Penn State is still here. But Devontae Wyatt, I think that screams steal, don't you?
0: You know, thinking about it, that would be a a really intriguing three-man rotation there uh, on the interior. You know, most people didn't really think of You know we really haven't talked about defensive tackle as a need for the Bengals but like you said they you know they're probably not going to bring back Larry Ogunjobi Uh, obviously he had that health issue or the injury issue that caused him to fail his physical with the Bears but man yeah Wyatt behind DJ Reader and BJ Hill you know we we talked with the Browns about how important it is for these these front lines especially these interior guys to get after these quarterbacks and you know especially for a a team like the Bengals you know they weren't able to get pressure on Matthew Stafford and that was one of the biggest reasons Stafford uh killed them in the Super Bowl so yeah you know just just thinking about it Devontae Wyatt would give Reader you know if if they wanted to get these guys off the field or you know spell them for a couple of plays because why could come in be a, a rotational guy to start and then eventually you know work his way you know you know maybe down the line take over for BJ Hill but yeah I'm I'm kind of talking myself into this one now too with uh with that three man rotation I think that would be really scary uh on that interior especially with you know of course who they already have on the outside with Trey Hendrickson and and Sam Hubbard so yeah that'd be that'd be a scary front
1: yeah Devontae white is the pick here and uh devonte white i think he does bring something to the table that neither dj reader nor bj hill bring uh both dj reader and bj hill are good but especially dj reader he's a guy that barely plays above 50 percent of the snaps you need to give a big guy like that some quality rest during the game and ke- keep him as fresh as possible and uh devonte white is that uh Interior penetrator that could get you pressure on third down, and give Reader a rest.
0: Exactly. Yeah, that's what I mean. Perfect spell guy for Reader Hill. Yeah, that 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 would be scary. And like you said, this would be pretty good value too. I think here at thirty-one, Devontae Wyatt definitely could be, you know, a top twenty-five guy. I mean, a team like the Packers at twenty-two, I think he'd be a a really good fit for. So if he gets past them at twenty-two, you know, it's uh, it's it's fair game.
1: Yeah, now at 63 overall, another potential steal looking the Bengals in the eye. Jalen Petre out of Baylor, who could be a slot corner and a safety, especially if you're not confident that you're going to get Jesse Bates signed to that long-term extension, he could be an in intriguing option here. And let's keep in mind, Joe Mixon could be inching past his prime, so to speak. So Isaiah Spiller might make more sense here than many would think.
0: He could, you know. They could certainly use a little bit of depth at the at the running back position. I know obviously they're pretty high on Chris Evans, who had himself a nice uh, rookie season. You know, we'll still never quite understand why was Samaje JP Ryan out there uh, on the field on those on those last couple of plays. But um, man, I'm a big fan of Jalen Petrie. I, I really am. I think you can make a very good argument that he's safety, too.
1: Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah I could see you want to jump in. Go ahead, buddy. Options on the board for the Bengals. If you want a long term center, Dylan Parham is still here. And if you want a long term like tight end, because you lost CJ Uzama in free agency and you got Hayden Hurst, but Hayden Hurst is only here on a one year deal, Trey McBride is still on the board here. And uh, I and don't I've expect heard... Trey McBride to fall this far. I think uh, Joe Burrow would love throwing the ball to Trey McBride
0: and it's funny you bring him up because i just wrote a couple articles a couple quick articles about him over on bengal's wire (laughs) because um the bengals have already been connected quite a bit to uh to trey mcbride the um he's on there i think he's going to be on their top 30 list in fact james casey their tight end coach was actually running the position drills uh at colorado state's pro day so they got the uh the up close and personal uh up close and personal look there so you know, obviously Petrie would be tough to pass on, but as you know, I did mention at at the top here, um, Brian, Brian Cook is another intriguing safety that they can probably get maybe in round three, maybe even later in the draft, um, to have the possibility of Trey McBride there with Hayden Hurst, to, you know, and it's funny. Someone I even saw a comment. Someone say like Hayden Hurst is thinking, "Here we go again." And He might be if they if that happens with Trey McBride. Yeah, with Kyle Pitts uh, last year. Even Drew Sample. Him. Even Drew Sample too. I mean, just a couple of years ago, he was a second round pick, but he's more obviously of a uh, you know kind of a blocking number two tight end. He really hasn't been much of a pass option. But Trey McBride, man, that would probably be that'd be too tough to pass up for, for this kind of offense. I mean, you bring in Trey McBride here, good luck stopping this offense.
1: Yep. Trey McBride is the pick for the Bengals at 63 in this uh, mock draft, but uh, given uh, how well the Trey McBride's workout went, I think there's a good chance the Bengals, if they indeed want him, might have to trade up for him.
0: Yeah. I would not be surprised. I mean, Trey McBride probably is going to be a top 50, if not higher pick. I mean, you and I saw him, just dominate down in Mobile. I mean, nobody could touch him. You know, <laughs> so good, good luck, Stop. Whoever gets him is going to get a fantastic player. I mean, the guy caught 90 passes last year for over a thousand yards. The guy had a 70 yard rushing touchdown <laughs> for Cryonella. It's like this guy is incredibly. insanely talented. So whoever lands Trey McBride is going to get themselves one fantastic, not just player, but person. I mean, there was a great article about not just him, but his family, uh, the two mothers that raised him um, over at at the Athletic, a fantastic article about that. So if you get a chance to read that, I, I highly recommend checking that out.
1: Recommendation noted, and we are on the final pick of this three-round mock for the Cincinnati Bengals at 95. Overall, you say you believe the most pressing hole on their roster is currently at the cornerback position, and here are the corners still on the board. Michael Wright of Oregon, Martin Emerson of Mississippi State, Josh Joby of Alabama, Jalen Watson of Washington State. Caleb Evans from Missouri, Kobe Bryant of Cincinnati, who we just mentioned, mm-hmm. Monteric Brown from Arkansas, Jack Jones of Arizona State, and the rest, And but there's an intriguing name on the board. If you want, uh, in case Jonah Williams doesn't step it up big time this year, you want somebody waiting in the wings, Abraham Lucas of Washington State is a very intriguing option with enormous athletic upside here.
0: Lucas is nice, absolutely. Um, Jack Jones is an interesting name, too. He, um, you know, we actually got a chance to see both Arizona State Corners uh, down in Vegas at the Shrine Ball. There there was, you know, once upon a time, some first-round buzz on those guys. That, you know, that certainly has kind of subsided a little bit. But I think Jack Jones would be an intriguing name uh, to watch here. But, you know, the, the connection of Kobe Bryant, you know, for – Obviously, you know, a, a couple of interesting reasons, but especially like on the field, Kobe Bryant is a uh, he's he's just a really good player. he's He's just a really good guy, and to be able to pluck him right right from right from his back or uh, you know right from the bengals backyard and let him come in and you know, again, it's not a situation where there's pressure on him because he can come in. he can just compete at first, you know, let, let him earn a shot but even if he has to sit a little bit behind the woozy behind eli apple let him let him work let him develop and then eventually work himself into the into one of those starting roles so really uh really intrigued by uh by the possibility of of kobe bryant here so i think if it were me that's, that's probably the direction i would i'm gonna go in right here is kobe bryant
1: Kobe Bryant is the pick indeed, and that's Kobe with a C-O-B-Y, just to let you know, folks. And he is Billy Rossetti, ladies and gentlemen. The USA Today Bengals Wire. Follow him on Twitter at Billy underscore Rossetti. That's R-I-C-C-E-T-T-E. Billy, thank you so much once again for joining us. And that's it for today here on Sports Crunch. But we'll be back soon with the third stop on our 2022 Dash to the Draft Divisional Tour, the NFC South. So stay tuned. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at dcrom 59 and on Instagram at Sports Crunch with DCrom. And remember, that's Crunch with a K. Also, be sure to check out the new and improved SportsCrunch.com where my second mock draft of the 2022 cycle should now be posted. For Billy Rossetti, this is David Cromwell saying so long, stay awesome, and whatever you're doing, please keep the brave people of Ukraine in your thoughts and prayers. Until next time, cats and kittens, stay cool.